Hello and welcome to the Nonsense Seekers podcast, a show all about the relentless pursuit of personal growth, spirituality, and finding purpose and meaning in your daily life. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about how to choose happiness and if it's even possible to choose happiness. So we're going to get into that here in a second. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, today we are going to be talking about what it means to choose happiness and more importantly, what it doesn't mean. So one of the biggest arguments for choosing happiness is called toxic positivity. Um, So to really understand like if you can choose happiness, what does it mean when people say choose happiness? Because to me, it means something different. So I'm going to dive into that as well. But so toxic positivity is the belief that no matter what happens, how difficult a situation, how bad it gets, it's really like you just have to maintain positive, keep a great mindset. And it's like this good vibes only approach to life, according to verywellmind.com, if you want to look up what is toxic positivity. So I think whenever you start in terms of that, I think that people really do sometimes oversimplify what it means to be happy. I think people oversimplify emotions, most importantly. So one of the biggest things that I think attributes to this choosing happiness dilemma is really not understanding our own emotions and taking into account that we need to feel those emotions. We're given those tools for a reason and we're giving given those like biologically so that we can understand ourselves better and and it also triggers like a response to us because if we are understanding if we have these emotions, right? It can sometimes trigger like a flight or fight response. So back in caveman days, that's that was pretty important to understand like okay, there's a tiger, I'm really afraid, and now I have to run. But today, we don't have those situations as as much anymore. I'm not going to say it never happens. I don't know what animals get loose at zoos these days. But anyways, so, so to really understand like what choosing happiness means, I think that we have to understand our emotions best. We have to practice emotional intelligence and self-awareness to be able to choose happiness. I think that the problem that falls under toxic positivity is that is exactly what it says is that that you should maintain a positive mindset, um, you know, have that good vibes only approach, even when things are really freaking shitty. Like <laughs> life gets hard sometimes. And so it's not it's not just black and white of like, oh well at least, you know, you hear people use this argument of like well, there's kids starving in Africa or, you know, it could be worse. At least you still have a roof over your head, all of these things. And one thing that I do think is important that we'll get into a little bit later is practicing gratitude. So I don't want to diminish the value that um, 
that gratitude brings and looking on the bright side of things, but I don't think it's as black and white as the, what is defined as toxic positivity, I'll say. So to me, what choosing happiness really means is taking those, being proactive, right? Whenever you wake up, you are choosing happiness because whenever you wake up, sometimes you wake up grumpy, right? You don't really want to be up, but you still don't have kind of the baggage going on from a long day of work, right? You've gotten your sleep, you can restart or reset. So, or before you go to bed, I think that nighttime routines actually are probably almost more important to me than morning routines because they trigger me more to want to do a morning routine. If I stay up too late, if I end up instead of reading a book, if I watch TV, if I drink alcohol instead of water, if I have a really heavy dinner, if we just order in pizza and get donuts because Barrett loves to get donuts and really, I actually, I love that he does that, but I also hate it because I know that I'm not going to get as good of a night's sleep from all the sugar and carbs that I've just ingested into my body. But what it does is, but kind of to me, the nighttime routine is your morning routine, if that makes sense. Like if you show me what you did the night before, I'll tell you how your morning routine is going to look. Because if you had a crazy night or you just didn't do anything or you watched TV all night, etc., etc., like you're going to be a lot less motivated to get up in the morning and take those like proactive steps to have a happy day. And I think that that's so I think that morning and night routines are crucial when we talk about choosing happiness. So to dive into what I mean more is like there are a lot of there's a lot of research out there now about how to live a healthy and positive life and how to have a better sense of well-being that's been, you know, neurologically proven. And I think that it's really interesting because these ideas kind of used to be philosophical, but now we're really seeing people actually doing the studies and seeing the the biological and neurological. Yeah, anyways, <laughs> sorry, I just started thinking like, is neurological and biological, is that almost the same thing? Like, because neuro, neurological is by, it doesn't matter. Anyways, um, so... I think it's so interesting that we are seeing, like people are doing research on kind of these older like medicine man type practices and seeing positive results from it. So one thing that I did look up because I thought that I knew, but I wasn't sure. So one thing that I really like to have a part of my routine is grounding. So grounding is where you, for me, is where I will just walk barefoot in the grass um, I try to do it even if it's like dewy and kind of gross outside. I still just like to, I don't know, connect with the earth to me. It just gives me a better sense of like well-being and things like that. I also love like swimming is a good way of like getting grounded as well, apparently, which I didn't know, which explains why I love swimming in water so much. So yeah, so but they they've done studies on the uh, biological f effects of 
grounding and they've seen like improvements in pain reduction, mood improvements. Um, it, I think even, yeah, sorry. I want to like not misquote things. So I'm reading some of this as I'm saying it aloud. So some studies detect like less inflammation in the body after a series of grounding. So, oh, it can also reduce muscle damage and may, keyword here, may influence healing abilities, which is pretty freaking cool. So I think it's really interesting that even these kind of like older modalities are proven to help build a sense of well-being in human beings. And even simpler than, even more simple than grounding is just smiling, which is, that one's kind of, it seems almost like too good to be true, but what happens is we get this like feedback loop where we link how we appear and how we feel. So even if we're like forcibly smiling, um, or even if we're just, I guess, even if we're just keeping a straight face, like we're not frowning, it tricks our brain into thinking that we're happy because it's harder for, like, if we're smiling, um, it's hard for our brain to to disassociate what we're physically doing with what we're thinking. So starting out in the morning, that's why I think that's so important because I think once you get to a certain point, that smiling technique does become more of a band-aid which is, again, why I think that being proactive really is super important. So starting out the day, one of the things that I enjoy and there have been studies on is smiling in the mirror. It sounds so freaking cheesy. I totally get it. But it really does help start the day off because also, if nothing else, you're going to feel absolutely ridiculous. And it's a lot easier to just have a sense of humor about it because you're like, I know how stupid this looks, but there's also nobody around. So you're not like feeling like you're being judged by anybody or anything. It's just wonderful. So I'll do like, I'll smile at myself in the mirror. Sounds very silly. I know maybe do a little dance, put on some positive music, um, say words of affirmation, do power poses. I don't know if you guys ever learned that in like a class or at work or just in a your own personal research but there's what's called power posing and it's when you stand in kind of like a superwoman stance like your feet are shoulder width apart and you have your hands on your hips and you have your shoulders back and it actually emotes like this confidence and um I want to say scientists but I'm not entirely sure like even recommend it at least in college it was recommended to me before taking exams, before doing, before studying. And that sounds so silly, but really a big part of, especially like when it comes to school is if you're confident and if you're happy and in a positive mood, you're going to do better than if you weren't because your brain's actually functioning better, which I find insanely interesting. So those are like really simple, not hard to do ways that like biologically affect our body and help produce serotonin. And that to me is just amazing. So 
there are obviously like bigger things. So I always have to go through like a checklist, especially if I get into a, I call it seasonal depression. I don't know if that's, that's self-diagnosed, but especially in the cooler months, I'm so sorry if you can hear the dogs howling in the backyard. They're not even my dogs. We just have really close by neighbors and they just like once one of them starts doing that, like woo, howling, sorry for you just had to hear that, but then they like all join in and it's like this symphony of wolves in my very tiny suburban neighborhood. It's, it's actually kind of funny. Especially when the tornado sirens go off on Saturday. It's hilarious. Anyways, and a little annoying. But, oh, but yes. So having like a checklist of positive, positive well-being triggers. I don't know if that's the best way to, to say that. But just building like a routine that you enjoy doing and that garner positive results for you. Um... So, for example, I have to walk through, like, okay, especially when I've gone through, oh, that's where I was, okay. Sorry, sometimes I lose my train of thought, but I, um, right, so I ha if I'm going through my seasonal depression where I'm just kind of almost, like, numb to life, I don't want to get out of bed, I have zero motivation to do anything, um, I make a lot more mistakes during these times, I'm just, like, not there, if that makes sense. And so, whenever I'm going through these, I know that it's super important for me to all right, look at my diet. Have I been drinking a lot more alcohol? Have I been eating, eating sugary snacks? Probably. Um, have I exercised? Nope. Have I written like a gratitude letter or like done an act of kindness or donated to charity or done something or even my simple things of my positive affirmations, my scripting, my, um, my power posing, anything like that. And a lot of times that when I'm in these really bad head spaces, I notice that I haven't done those things in quite a while, and um, especially in conjunction. And I think that starting out with like one positive trait helps cycle through or helps kind of get the ball rolling on all of the other ones as well. And I want to say that that's, oh, there's this really good book. Um, it's kind of, the book isn't controversial, the author is controversial, but the book is, to me, isn't controversial. It's just like, it's called The 12 Rules for Life, um, and it's pretty much just these chapters on how, like, very, oh, an antidote to chaos, that's what it is, and so it's just these very simple things that you can do throughout your day, like we were talking about, and one of the first things is like just standing up straight with your shoulders back, doing that posturing that we were talking about. And then one of the other ones is making your bed in the morning, right? So if you just do these small acts, like making your bed, you start to like feel, it helps you really gain a confidence. Like, oh, what I'm doing matters, right? So, and it, all of these like positive effects start to compound on themselves, right? So you get up a little bit early that morning or you, you don't hit the snooze button that morning, right? A little, you get a little hit of like, oh, that feels, it, that feels nice to like wake up and feel productive instead of feeling like, oh shit, now I have to go run around and figure out quickly what to wear and I'm not gonna look nice and I'm not gonna do my makeup because I don't have time. 
clearly speaking from experience once again, but right. And so that kind of triggers you to, oh, I feel, I feel pretty good now. And then you take that extra little time to make your bed, take time doing self-care, whether it's like a, a full on proper skincare routine, making yourself breakfast, um, you know, journaling before, before you go to work or start your day and just doing all of these little compounding things garners such positive results. And so, so yeah, so that's what this book is about. It's really interesting. It dives into like, um, some other things as well that I'm trying to think of, but I can't off the top of my head. Um, Oh, what are the other rules? Sorry, I, I'm still here. I just paused for way too long. But anyways, but it's a really great book. And that's, again, that's essentially what it does is just starting out with these small things to tackle. And then you gain a little confidence in that. And then you could feel like you can take on bigger things. And his whole philosophy, which I don't fully agree with, is the idea that like, it's kind of like combats the toxic positivity that we were talking about. But his idea or what I've heard him quote before is saying, um, people want to act like, oh, life should be happy and life should be sunshine and roses. And his argument is, no, life's hard. Life is tough. Life is really freaking difficult and it's amazing that we're here and the idea is that you're like life is hard but you're so damn tough that you can handle it and you can you can get through anything I prefer the life is great sunshine and roses mentality that's more my jam um but (laughs) but I do think it's an interesting concept of the idea of like how resilient people can be in the face of adversity is that things can get super hard and you're still able to have tools to rise above it. So I think that that's also, uh, yeah, I just think that's really, I think it's a powerful sentiment. I don't know that I totally agree with, or I don't know that that's how I want to view the world. I do would, I do like to just come more from a place of gratitude than anything. So But yeah, anyways, it's a really great, there's some really great studies in that book that just discuss, I don't know, how to live a little bit more, more better, (laughs) how to live a better life. And then, um, oh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, just, yeah, just taking positive steps to like, build your life and think of the ones that really work best for you or that bring you the best results. It doesn't even necessarily have to be the ones you enjoy in the moment. Like absolutely do something that you enjoy. So like if I don't feel like working out, maybe I'll do a bunch of dances or some I'll dance as my workout or I'll Oh, excuse me. I'm so sorry if you could hear that. I just burped. Um <laughs> or I'll do like I don't know, or I'll put the bike just in front of the TV and I'll just watch TV because I'm like, this is going to (laughs) suck. I'm not in the mood for it. But let's just put a spin on it to make it a more positive scenario. And where was I going with that? 
working out, positive, oh, I can't remember, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry, but anyways, yeah, so just trying to find ways that, oh, that's what it was, trying to find things that you might not necessarily in that moment enjoy, but you know garner the best results, right, so thinking about how you want to feel afterwards, right? So if exercise really garners the best results, like then exercise. If um, Then make sure that that's something that you include in your routine because you know that if you don't, you're gonna feel really crappy. And I think that that's a double reward too. Oh, I heard somebody talking about this really interesting thing um, is that our the way that our dopamine system works is quick pleasures are provide us with like the highest but shortest high if that makes sense so we'll get these like really strong dopamine releases from let's just say cocaine um or like a drug or sugar or something more normal um sugar (laughs) I feel like when I think dopamine triggers I think just cocaine for some reason in science in terms of scientific studies but but anyways but like sugar just a daily thing um, we get these quick dopamine releases, but they're so fleeting. But whenever we do these longer term, like exercising, it's not like super, it's not as satisfying in the moment that you are on, you know, mile number two of your jog as eating, you know, a blueberry donut, which is one of my favorite kind of donuts, right? It, but the reward afterwards is so much longer lasting, but it's not as strong. You're just like, oh, wow, I feel good. I'm glad that I did that. But the dopamine hit isn't as as strong as like a sugar hit, if that makes sense. So one of the things that you have to do is like also ign- really acknowledge the feelings that you're feeling after you do a workout or after you make those positive changes is be really grateful for them and be really acknowledge and take time to appreciate them because because that helps switch our brain to like or trains our brain to understand that like oh no that was a really fun thing that we just did and I feel really good now and also acknowledging that like oh if I don't do this I'm not going to feel good so it's almost like the opposite of the dopamine hit, if that makes sense. Like eating a donut, right? If if I do eat the donut, I'm not going to feel good at the in the afterwards or in the long term. I might like have feel guilty about it or knew that I shouldn't have eaten five of them, whatever it is. But in the moment it feels good. Whereas running is almost like kind of the the reverse of that is like in the moment it doesn't feel great, but afterwards I know that it's gonna feel good. And if I don't do it, I'm not gonna feel good. It's kind of interesting. Anyways, so so yeah, I think that's extremely interesting, just the way that our brain works and these dopamine triggers and trying to train our brains to, um, I don't know, just taking the time to really appreciate how good we feel after those, like after exercise, after meditation, after those things, because that can just double, like give yourself an extra boost afterwards and train your brain to kind of remember that feeling later on the stronger you can make that feeling the more memorable it's the more memorable it's going to be afterwards so 
so yeah so that's all I have for today uh, sorry for my scatterbrained scatterbrainedness um, but I hope you enjoyed this segment uh, as always let me know on Instagram how you liked this episode and if you're not subscribed on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and you want to hear more about or hear more of my podcasts, please feel free to subscribe, leave a review so that more people can find this podcast if you find it helpful or just even remotely enjoyable. <laughs> I would love, love, love it. So have a wonderful evening or day or morning or wherever you are in the world.